Forever Mom, The Book of Love and Other Things. They say one secret to staying young is keep doing new things. As a touring solo musician, that is built in. Every gig in a place you've never been before requires navigating unknown territory, strategic maneuvers involving parking, and sometimes even finding the right door. Your set might stay the same, but the stage changes each night, and the people do too. You have hundreds of encounters and meet dozens of new faces. So in a period with not so many shows, things at home can get a little stagnant. I'm lucky to work at the bookstore bar while I stay close to home, trying to make new work. Handling the needs of the customers gives me energy, not quite the high of performing, but it's usually fun and gets me out of my own head. Or sometimes it helps to go see someone else play. I surprised Eric with tickets to Magnetic Fields the other day. One of our vehicles had 69 love songs permanently lodged inside, so I knew we'd both love it. Spotting Stephen Merritt when he lived in Hudson used to be like seeing a rainbow in reverse. He'd be suitably curmudgeonly, and the day would just brighten. I'd seen him perform solo, but the chance to hear those magnificent songs in 3D made my heart beat faster. The main wild card was the venue, City Winery's mysterious Hudson Valley location. We've played at some other city wineries, New York City, Chicago, Nashville. They're great clubs, but always in major cities. This place is hunkered down in New York's rural Orange County, somewhere around Newburgh and Middletown. But see, this is the stuff that makes life fun. What would it be like? It was almost like setting off for a gig together, without the bother of having to rehearse and load the car with equipment. The venue was tucked away in a refurbished old knitting factory outside the town of Montgomery. The parking lot was already packed with cars when we arrived. The show sold out. What's the demographic of a magnetic field show, do you think? I asked Eric as we walked down a hill from the car to the venue, the sun setting next to a majestic brick smokestack. The staff was super nice, like all the city wineries. The stage was set up in a large brick room, backed onto a wall of industrial-sized windows. It reminded me a little of Dia Beacon, an art museum in an old cookie factory, but instead of massive pieces of art, the room was filled with tables and chairs on the diagonal and a couple hundred people eating dinner and tasting wine flights. We ordered, and then the hostess was seating a couple of children at our table. Golly and Aphrodite were their names. Golly looked about 12 and Aphrodite a little older. I'd wondered about the band's demographic, firmly middle-aged. I'd say Eric and I were almost the oldest people in the place, and our table mates the youngest. They were delightful. We all shook hands like disparate friends of the bride and groom at a wedding, who'd been seated a ways away from the action. I felt immediately like my mother used to act in these kind of public situations, overly nosy, overly sherry. Where do you two live? They'd come up from Manhattan for the gig, but were from Chicago and L.A., respectively. Had they ever seen the band before? The band's touring heyday had been before both of these two were born, so no. They saw this as a rare chance to see a legend, and there was no New York City show. We told them how we'd met. They were so sweet and curious and open. It made me glad we hadn't had some dull couple engage with their wine flight sitting next to us. The show started. Our table mates were fans of the opening duo, Lamelda, who were dressed so low-key and casual, spent a lot of time tuning their 12 strings, but sounded great. At one point, the lead woman who sported a crew cut congratulated the bride and groom. 
The audience laughed. You know, vibes, she said. Weddings are the lifeblood of this particular city winery operation. There was no doubt. I envied her being on stage, that ease and confidence. I wished I was up there, but thought they were wonderful. I said hi to Tony, who plays in the band. I've been following their progress around the country through his Facebook posts. He was pleased we'd made the trek. Magnetic fields took their seats on stage. Stephen towards one side on a stool, Sam the violinist, and Shirley with a sort of ukulele and vocals on the other. Tony on guitars and Chris the keyboardist behind. They were magnificent. I've used the word magnificent twice. (laughs) I wish I could remember all the songs they played, but there was definitely Andrew and Drag, Book of Love, Kiss Me Like You Mean It, Papa Was a Rodeo, Craftwork and a Blackout. Claudia Gonson came out to sing on the day the politicians died, getting a rousing cheer the day before Donald Trump was to be arraigned in Manhattan. It was a perfect show, the resonance of Stephen's voice almost not needing a mic. You could feel it through the old wooden factory floorboards. Everyone in the band was spectacular, and the audience was just so into it and unannoying, which is never a given these days. We were all in rapture, I think, spellbound. Thank God for music to transport us. I asked Aphrodite and Golly if they'd driven from the city. Turns out they'd taken the train. Oh, are you staying up here tonight? No, we were just going to get a train back down. Oh, to be 20 again. It would definitely be easier than having a 20-year-old again. All the worry and none of the fun. Eric and I explained there aren't trains or buses this far out in the country at this time of night. We offered to drive them to the bigger town of Kingston where they maybe could catch a bus down to Port Authority. What's that? They checked, and there were no more buses at this hour. I was amazed at how carefree they seemed about the possibility of being stranded. I saw them chuckle when I thought about leaving without paying our tab, which had never materialized. But I said I wouldn't want to stiff the waitress, and realized I sounded like Betty Davis in a gangster movie from the 1930s. Stiff? Waitress? Do people use these words anymore? I slipped sometimes and asked for the ladies' room. Between us, Eric and I were almost a century older than each of this pair. I couldn't help it. I felt worried for these two being stuck out in the middle of nowhere. It's okay, they said. We're going to order a car to take us back to the city. I thought one of them had to have been from money somehow. We went downstairs to say hi to the band. We stayed chatting quite a while, and when we went to leave the venue, had to find a side door out. The parking lot was empty. On the steps next to the driveway, our table mates were lounging with their tote and backpack, waiting under the moonlight for the car that was supposed to be coming to pick them up. Are you okay? I'm worried, I told them, sounding like my mom again. Or a mom, any mom. We're fine, we're fine, they said, probably wishing we'd leave them alone. As we got in my car and drove back north on the thruway, I wondered if they'd just end up spending the night sleeping under a bush, waiting for a car that never came. I thought, oh, to be that young again. Uh, no thanks.
make you stay Not for all the tea in China Not if I could sing like a bird Not for all North Carolina Not for all my little words Not if I could write for you The sweetest song you ever heard Doesn't matter what I do been listening to Diary of Amy Rigby. Thanks so much for listening. Why not rate, review, share the show with your friends. I'll see you next time.